ears is these goggles. They do nothing. If it's too loud, you're too old, Andre. Why <laughs> does that keep happening? <laughs> Good morning, Vietnam. Sheesh. Boom. Crazy. Anyway, maybe it's just what we need, though. You know? First, I think I've, my setting. Yeah, hopefully that will. So, I think I, I found the problem and why we're going deaf <laughs> nearly every time we start the podcast. <laughs> um, all right, there we go. So we're we're up and running. Check us out. This is difficult, but we're here. We've we've, we've moved uh, moved mountains to to be here together to uh, to come and form some some magical podcasting stuff from this great union of minds and. Um, you guys can hear me, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, you got yeah, a particular. Yeah. We're just, we're just living in awe here. of your speech, camera. <laughs> well, it's I, just uh, the, totally. I mean, you knew you normally are in awe, but this 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 was more like a like a blank expression. <laughs> I mean, you you were selling it to me. I was just curious to know where it was going. I'm still waiting for the copy to settle in. I know, I know. Well, that's half the problem here because, like, as I remember, just as I pressed the play button here, I had this thought come to mind, and you must you must know this thought. <laughs> It's that mixture of like, what is it? It's like sadness in that I've seen the last bit of coffee is now gone, yeah. right? Ooh. And I'm still feeling yeah. so tired. Like it's that sad feeling, you know, yeah. mixed yeah. with like a excitedness for what's coming, and yet a complete confusion at the same time. Can anyone relate? You I can, think you can relate, can relate because you're looking at me so blankly today. I can relate. That that point of sadness like ended about five hours ago for me. Like it was, you know, (laughs) that's when I realized I can no longer have coffee to keep me going. The coffee wasn't working anyway. Well, no, that happens to me after like the third cup, and then you realize it's just not doing anything. I got to stop now. Yeah, my 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 coffee intake has gradually increased. Like I went on a total detox. A little while ago and like just went cold turkey like no coffee and then you know and then was like up to like one or two cups a day you know just like i think like what normal people have yeah but it hasn't taken long to get back to like two cafetiers <laughs> i just like basically have a drip and especially when it just doesn't work it's like it's like you know you're not getting any kick it's just giving you heart palpitations it's all it's doing no that's right you know? yeah it's, yeah. what's the point even? i'm just grinding my jaw that's all the <laughs> coffee does for me now <laughs> true that I mean, that's what happens anyway um so like okay the sadness was compounded for me when i realized you guys are going to meet together um in london you know just like in fact i'm still dealing with that right now if i, if I... <laughs> <laughs> it's still there it's still in the background if, just, if, just if i'm to be completely down. completely honest yeah i'm uh, i'm ditching james uh rennie hand for james hamilton Man nice. alive. Listen, uh beloved Dr. Professor Renier, <laughs> if you if you heard these words from Nick, you know, you would finally realize who the true student is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to his book that's coming out though. Or has it yes. come out now? The, that's come the, out. Uh, 16. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, yeah. I've got the Kindle edition. You'd have to wait a while for postage. Yeah. No, it's the well, nice I looking. was gonna buy I was gonna buy Mike's book. But now I see that I can get it for free. Hey, 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 keep that under wraps. We don't push pirated editions. Through a resource I previously thought was, you know, legit. It's, it's sort of like a... Now complete, I realize this. How's that for like a, like a rebuke, self-discipline thing where you're... Uh, 
you're scrolling through your semi-pirated site and you find your own book there. <laughs> that's, there's something about that that's just medicine oh, to the soul. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, touche. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. But but on the on the so that sucks. That I, I mean I don't even know how to deal with that. That you guys are going to be there and I'm not. But mm. anyway, it is what it is. You could come. You just I mean, that's one option. Nah, nah, it's not going to happen. I'm not even going to set myself up with that false hope. That's too much for this little heart to bear. Um, so then I suppose the only thing is to console myself with the fact that we got some good, good shows ahead planned. We've got Eric Ortland who seems to be amenable to coming on the show. Wow. Mm. Which is, uh, wow, that's going to be cool. We've all, I mean, everyone except for Nick has a man crush on Eric Orton. So, <laughs> you know, this is going to be, this is going to be good. Um, and then also I've got uh, Nick, another do you below- have a man crush on anyone who's like alive? Carl Truman. He's a handsome guy. Sure. Would not have said that. I'd not have put it in exactly that way, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, no, I think Carl Truman. Uh, I can, I can pretty much read anything he writes. You just love his yeah. mind. Yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> a, he has a handsome. I find mind. him very attractive. Handsome, handsome, mind. handsome, <laughs> handsome mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, that, I, 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 can, I, I can relate I, to that. I, I can, yeah, that's right. Um, I, I I went through like a phase where I just bought like all of his books in one go because I just yeah. read one, got so excited about it, and then I just bought all of them. <laughs> so I now have all the, cult, all the Carl Truman books. <laughs> I, I read do any that. Of the others, but, I yeah. still do that. I'm scarred because John Piper told me to do that when I was a super young Christian. He was like, well, I suppose it wasn't that young of a Christian, but super young reformed Christian. <laughs> there we go. And... um and he's like, well, if you find someone that's dynamite, just just make sure to take every class and you know do the whole thing and don't let him go. You know, if he's your Daniel Fuller, you know, then wow, <laughs> you got to grab hold. I'm like, I should have known at that point when he said Daniel Fuller. That <laughs> don't was, do Daniel this Fuller. Is like not a good idea. Like, but anyways, oh, maybe I, maybe broaden broaden the reading reading rather yeah, than yeah, just doubling down on it. <laughs> measure against something else. Yeah, no. But anyways. Um, uh, we got Eric Orton coming, and um, just a super interesting character for anyone who doesn't, uh, you know, is not tracking with his work. Uh, Old Testament guy, uh, teaches Oak Hill, Hebrew guy, a beard, a, his beard is really all you need to say. There's nothing more. Written a volume on Job in the New Studies in Biblical Theology series. Yes. Um, and as well as some like fictional horror, horror yeah, stuff. I know. So just, and, he's, and he started a, um, a sort of a whole literary movement there on the on his uh, podcast with mm-hmm. a few authors that are you know actually producing some hardcore fiction, which is cool. You know, uh, it it looks really good. So I'm I'm interested just to see how he carries that all together in his mind, and you know, I'm sure he'd be an interesting guy to talk to. So there's that, and then we've got my other beloved professor, um, Dr. Gian, who is willing to come for part two, except this time with you guys. So this time, uh, you know, we're gonna, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit more uh, rather than uh, just just uh, get a lowdown on, on the book that he wrote. Although I do want to carry on with that last part of the discussion um, of, of his book on eschatology. So there's that. And um, there was something else. I just can't remember it now. Um, anyway, so it's just stuff coming up that uh, is, you know, consoling. 
Mm, and look awesome. at our consistency. I think that's the other thing I was thinking about. We <clears> seem <throat> to be actually be doing this thing. So this is good. Yeah. Now, moving forward, I have nothing to talk about. What do you want to talk about? Well, I would like to talk about Molinism. Uh, you're going to have to teach me. You're going to have to teach about Molinism if you want to yeah, talk so about I mean, it. Nick's ready to teach. I've yeah, been teaching good. through the, the decree and um, just talking about man crushes. <clears throat> a former man crush would be, of course, Greg Welty, uh, the brother from Master Seminary who went to Westminster, you know, came out the other side of Reformed Baptist, did an awesome mm. paper on baptism. Mm. Mm. A paper which we, I think, we podcasted through that. For Went four on episodes. to be this like philosophical, philosophical genius, total you know? genius, yeah. like serving the world in philosophy. And uh, I rediscovered him recently, just doing podcasts on London Lyceum and the Free World podcast and a bunch of other stuff. And um, when I was doing my work on the decree, I wanted to sort of hit Molinism and get like right down to the bottom of it. And he has an outstanding article on his uh, his website, gregwelty.com. Okay. So I thought it might be interesting just to hit that and uh, just look at some of the distinctives and throw it around. Yeah, do it. Go. Because this, this is elusive to me, you know. The, the okay, whole, cool. So, I mean, yeah. I think we probably know it by another name. The, the other name would be middle knowledge. Right. You've heard of middle knowledge. So mm-hmm. uh, let, me, let me look for the, the, the – so chapter three, paragraph two in the decree basically is addressing this whole issue so let's let's maybe start with the confession and uh let me let me pull that up one sickie what was the name of the article as well while you're while we're pulling things up um modernist are there modernist distinctives in the bible i think is the name of the article um right just library 1689 Okay, so here's a paragraph. It's a short, short, just basically one sentence. Although God knoweth whatsoever may or can come to pass upon all supposed conditions, yet hath he not decreed anything because he foresaw it as future, or as that which would come to pass upon such conditions. So, I mean, we as, as soon as anyone reads that who's a, who's a Calvinist would recognize that it's addressing the typical Arminian problem where, you know, God looks mm-hmm. down through the corridors of time. Mm-hmm. He sees what people would or wouldn't do. And mm-hmm. on the basis of what he sees people doing, he then is able to make up his own mind about what his will can look like. And then he is able to will. Yeah. So a reactive rather than a proactive willing, you know, God takes the cards that he's dealt and then he's able to decide what he can now do. So <clears throat> what predated Arminianism was the, the notion of Molinism. Or middle knowledge. So Arminianism is a is a version of middle knowledge. Okay. Yeah. All right. So predated it. Nice. Yeah. So so Molinus, Molinism is part of the uh, Catholic Counter uh, Reformation. Ah, of course. Yes. So, okay. so yeah, Calvin, is... Luther, Zwingli, Something... they all believed double predestination, and then Molina. Molina, right? Yeah, that's the, a... the Jesuit priest the came Jesuit up priest. With, yeah. with an with an alternative to try and um, yeah try and find some other mode. So, so I mean, I, I guess what what mystified me was the, why do they call it middle knowledge? Yes. And that's that's sort of all, that's pretty weird. Like what's what's like the before knowledge and the after knowledge and what's yeah. the middle knowledge? Yeah. And so uh, basically I, I d- delved into some Turretin 
good old Turretin, some uh, uh, Protestant scholasticism. Mm-hmm. And uh, what he does, he sets it up this way. So imagine, you know, basically when, when you think of God uh, decreeing, you've got to think of it in terms of logical steps, not chronological steps, because God is outside of time. Mm-hmm. So there is before God decrees, he has a certain knowledge of things. And then there's God's decree. So what is God's knowledge of things? What does it look like? So Turton deals with this under God's knowledge of things. Mm-hmm. So he sets it up this way. There's God's natural knowledge mm-hmm. and uh, there's God's free knowledge. So mm-hmm. God's natural knowledge includes the knowledge of all things possible. So before God decrees, this is logically, uh, logically not chronologically speaking, mm-hmm. uh, but before God decrees, what's in the mind of God with regards to futures? So it's every possible future, every possible universe. Yes. If we're going to allow Plantinga to to come into the conversation, right? Um, you know, so it's it's it, and and this was also called indeterminate or indefinite because God hadn't decided yet, mm. logically speaking, not chronologically speaking. Um, so, in in and then so you'd have God's knowledge before He decrees, and then after God decrees, we have what Turretin calls God's free knowledge. And the, 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 the descriptor free is describing the fact that God was unconstrained by what he determined, you know, that yep. it came from himself, from his own free determination, that he was not compelled by anything in the creatures or in the creation that he was going to create. It was a free. And, and that's where it differs from Arminianism in that God is yes. sort of moving according to what he must do, according to his foreknowledge, right? 100%. Yeah. yeah. So the, the free determination of God does all things according to the good pleasure of his own will. Yes, <clears throat> he's not reacting to something that he's foreseen in any way. Right. So, so, so I think we see, you know, there's a, a pretty logical chain here between these this, these two steps before and in the decree and flowing from it. So, God's knowledge is this is his natural knowledge. This is every every possible future of things possible and impossible. You know, it's it's all there in the mind of God. But when He decrees, the nature of that decree is what we call His free knowledge. So, in between these two. Molina tries to insert something called a middle knowledge. Right. So that, uh, and it's, it's, I think it's a failed attempt. <laughs> right. Well, and, uh, keep going because you nearly, you, you, you're converting me. I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> oh not, you know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go for is it. This, is this what Greg, Greg Welty is arguing for? The middle no, he's knowledge? arguing against it. So Greg Welty would be a, a Calvinist. He'd be reformed. And um, it, yeah. because he's in the world of modern philosophy, Molinism has made a major comeback as a result of men like Alvin Plantinga, William yes. Lane Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So if you want some respectability in the academy, in the world of philosophy, yeah. you know, declaring yourself a Molinist carries a, you know, you can be a heavyweight. And it's just and- a little bit easier to, you know, talk about when you said so a lot of apologetics. Yeah. I mean, it comes in handy and that you don't have to, you can just like, oh, yeah, that's not a problem because <laughs> actually I'm a Molinist, you know, and then yes. and everyone's like, what's that? And then you go middle knowledge, blah, 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 blah. And everyone's like, okay, can we move on? Yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because yeah. like everyone's dying inside. Now. So it's like no, this apologetic but- strategy. Yeah. I'm sure that I, I listened to a podcast on this a little while ago on the Credo podcast, where I'm sure there was a guy who came on there and advocated for some kind of middle knowledge. Yeah, but so the, the Credo podcast. bit hazy. Credo podcast or the London Lyceum? No, uh, well, it might have been London Lyceum, but I think it was Credo. Okay, I'd be surprised. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, don't know. Don't know. Yeah, London Lyceum is a that. format where they're, the, they're willing to hear guys of other views and let them let them speak and, and engage yeah. with a positive presentation. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Okay, go on then. Middle knowledge. Yeah, so, that so middle knowledge. So, so basically you've got God before he decrees 
and then the nature of what he's decreed. So there's natural knowledge, which is indeterminate. There's free knowledge, which is determinate. And so then they try to slot in a middle knowledge. And so Greg Welty unpacks this in, in, in slightly more up-to-date terms. So he's uh, on his website <clears throat> in relation to that article, he, uh, he gives these three bullet points. So I'll read these, and these are the distinctives of Molinism, and then we can engage with them. Okay. So he says this. So the basic DNA of it is this. There are three. There, there are true counterfactuals of creaturely freedom. So that's that's technical talk. Counterfactuals of uh, creaturely freedom, where freedom is libertarian freedom. So when God looks down the corridors of time, when he's considering all possible futures and all possible universes, and mm -hmm. he considers creatures who are willing, what is the nature of their will? It is a libertarian freedom. So, so here's, here's, here's sort of the essential assumption to Molinism. It's the mm -hmm. essential assumption to any, any system of thought that wants to have free will. There must be contingency, not necessity, with regards to the human will. It must be a true libertarian freedom. It must be an uncompelled, undisposed willing um, that is yeah. completely free. Otherwise, there's some sort of fatalism is, is the logical conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that, they call that the counterfactuals of creaturely freedom. Um, so this is this is one of the absolute. Uh, uh, if you don't have this, you don't have their view. And and I, and I, maybe just to to talk about it, it's contingency alone, as opposed to and this is where our confession and the reformed faith has there's necessity on on terms of God's decree, but there's contingency in terms of uh, the agency of man is truly willing his own will. Mm -hmm. So so the, the in, in in reformed theology we have that that concurrence. Yes. between necessity and contingency it's Which not necessity it solves the, the entire thing yes so uh, compatibilism concurrence yes. is is the way that we would insist upon it and and at that point how how can god's how can there be necessity in terms of god's decree and con true contingency in terms of of uh, human human agents having a, having doing their own wills without compulsion um how does you know that we would recognize there are mysterious things going on there, but, sure. but that is the clear teaching of scripture, which we mm. assert. Yes. Despite what people, the problems that people would raise. Right. And, so and, is that, if I could just put that in different language, just check if I'm tracking. So that mm -hmm. is where we're talking about there's no coercion of the will, for instance. That's, yes. So, I mean, you'd, ha you'd have variations happening? on a theme here. So, for example, you know, if you're an Arminian, so let's let's take the Molinist structure, which is God considering a, a, a free action going on in the future. If you wanted to try and explore a mechanism around how this free will came into being, you know, you'd have prevenient grace in the Arminian, Arminian system, which would mm. say that God, through the work of Christ, released the will of all totally depraved sinners so that when the gospel came, they could freely choose. Mm -hmm. So that so so there are various constructions around how that will is. I was free. just thinking within the reform paradigm. So I was thinking in the in the, the language of the sixteen eighty nine, for example, it talks about God's decree not being uh, oh. a coercion of human will. Yes. Um, and so is that that is the concurrence idea, isn't it? That's definitely that's yeah. that you have both God. God is sovereign, uh, and we are responsible, and the two are both equally. Uh, presence and not contradictory so yeah because so, i think michael horton made the point yes really clearly, two right? freedom pies two freedom yeah. pies. Yeah. Brilliant yeah, illustration. Totally yeah. I, I used it last night uh, <laughs> in, but, in a conversation yeah so I here's mean, you, here's here's yeah. a here's a traditional um this is drawing off vesco now and his work with westminster but and it's the frangibility of the bones of christ so could the bones of christ be broken you know we, we know that uh 
his bones were not broken according mm -hmm. to prophecy. So, so here, here we have God decreeing something. Mm -hmm. And we know that in terms of God's will, mm -hmm. all his will must come to pass. There is necessity in terms of God's will because he will accomplish all that he wills. Otherwise, he wouldn't be God. Mm -hmm. so, so, so we have to, on the one hand, affirm necessity. The bones of Christ will not be broken, which raises the question. But does that deny contingency? Could the bones of Christ be broken? The frangibility, the breakability of, of Christ's bones. And so if, if, if it is impossible that his bones could be broken, are we, are, is that by virtue of the fact that his bones weren't human bones and then we'd be denying his humanity? So we have to insist that his bones couldn't be broken while his bones could be broken. Mm -hmm. There is necessity and contingency. There is something that must be certain by virtue of God's decree, but, there, but the conditions of, of creaturely reality in terms of the breakability of bones must be upheld. And so yeah. I've heard, you know, I've heard, I, I love this and I use this all the time, like of all the systems out there, Calvinists are the only ones that are willing to, uh, are honest enough to confess as part of their system of doctrine that they have no idea how it works. <laughs> Amen. You know, everyone else tries to Play figure the it mystery out. Card. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, the Armenians <clears throat> try and figure it out from the foreknowledge side. The hybrid Calvinists obviously try and figure it out from the sovereignty side. Uh, Molin is trying, you know, do do uh, th this whole um, thing. But but really, at the end of the day, Calvinists are just saying something very simple. They're saying the Bible teaches both, and we don't know how it works. Mm. Yeah. You know, but it but it does teach exactly. both. assertion yeah. on the on the authority of Scripture. But not explanation. God's God has a secret will. Yeah, you know, and yeah. we have confidence in His goodness through a demonstration of His goodness and things like the cross. But not by virtue of the fact that He's explained all the mechanisms behind how His decree comes to pass. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, but it also makes sense. Um, not only in terms of it's not pitting divine sovereignty against human free will or human responsibility or human agency. Because um, I think that's the big problem is normally people think if God's sovereign, then why, you know, mm, we must mm, be robots. And, mm. and actually the Bible's just not, it's it's not God's sovereignty versus our our um, our responsibility or our agency or our free will. It's it's actually sin versus our free will. That's, that's really where the problem lies. Yeah. And so yeah. to get around that, you've got to, you've got to go either to a kind of assumed non-biblical or not explicit anywhere in scripture idea of prevenient grace that kind of arminian blanket of grace that covers the world that brings everybody up to neutral again or something like that mm, yeah. mm. and of course you know it's, you've, you've got to have something like it um because that's where the real tension lies it isn't to do with god's sovereignty and i think you know i think if you press most people long enough they will they will they will agree with that, mm. but if um, but then the the problem becomes sin. So if God looks out over to the future and sees what decisions people will make, well, post the post fall, yeah, we're that's, just seeing a bunch of graves. That, that's all you see. <laughs> it's all going to look pretty similar. <laughs> yeah, like which a, which is probably uh, let's look at the set. So the the first bullet point is true counterfactuals of creaturely freedom. So this when when God's considering the will of man, there's a certain condition of that will that's completely free. It's liber libertarian mm -hmm. freedom. The second distinctive of Molinism is this. God knows these uh, counterfactual, uh, counterfactuals of Christianly freedom logically prior to his decree. And Welty has a, a wonderful description. He says they are pre-volitional truths. So before God wills them into being, they exist. Now, think about that as an ontological absurdity. 
before yeah, God wills them into being, these counterfactuals of Christianly freedom exists. In other words, there's a it, it, the ontological scenario that they're yeah. setting up is there's this part of the universe, yeah, that the will of God has not determined, and in and and really coming danger dangerously close to setting up God like as not God. You know, God yeah. is something else, something above God, something before God, something you know. Um, yeah. You know, of course, they would have ways to defend themselves there, but, but yeah, they you know, would say just... that, that God God made it so that this would be the conditions, right? Yeah, exactly, these would be the conditions. But it just but it's it also it's risque, yeah. So is it is it saying that um, prior to God's even prior know, to prior God's to willing the... of the 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 of the A B C D E F G of the decree, prior to God yeah. willing the the actual events of the decree. Yeah. These pre-volitional, pre-will, pre-decree realities. So it's existed like God puts all the cards on the table, basically. He just goes, yeah. okay, here's the full deck. Do, 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 you know, on the table but, now, you know, before I make is my he, call. Is, he, is, yeah. that, is that basically saying that God's God's kind of decreeing the the decisions that people will make by their free will before he decrees that they will have free will? I think if they wanted to put it in terms of they, that God decrees a condition of will that is completely free from which he will then determine the sort of universe he will create mm -hmm. where that, that type of freedom exists. The best possible world kind of thing. Best yeah. possible world. Yeah. Scenario. Yeah. Um, so now uh, just coming back to the, 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 you know, just something just slightly off tangent, but I think it's important if someone's listening and thinking about these, you know, with these kinds of discussions, you tend not to, you sort of start, you start in a logical path and then you you sort of end in complete confusion and you start again and then you you know end in complete confusion and you have to keep especially if you're just churning through it for the first time and what yeah. tends to help you know as you go through the motions again and again it's almost like these rocks get stuck in the filter you know like every now and again you pick up a real gem and they just won't go away and they stay there with you the next time and then the more rocks you got you eventually got enough for a foundation and you move on and you just keep going until actually you're all clugged up and you figured out what you believe you know that's kind of how <laughs> it, it works for me so what, one of the accidental theology <laughs> well it's, it's it's not accidental in the sense that you're going this truth is not disposable i'm not getting rid of this one yeah. this is the, you know this is it this one, oh, I got this one this time where I missed that last time and I'm keeping this one. There's no way. You know, just something that has particular resonance with your reading of the scripture. You know right. that yeah. you know that this cannot be, whatever you end up concluding, it cannot be without these major working parts. Um, so one of the things for me would be uh, that, you know, I just want to highlight it in case someone is feeling like they're going half crazy on this on the subject, uh, which also has happened to me. Um you know, with, with this idea of libertarian freedom, um, you know, there's this, it, it's sort of only dawned on me way too late that um, when we talk about the concept, like, you know, and I remember just having discussions with Andrea about this, this would have been, uh, you know, back in the day, I was really deeply concerned about the fact that, that how can we be saying that there can be a kind of ultimate state that we're being call to you that is not completely libertarian it's not you know that surely that must be the goal you know yeah. and 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 i didn't realize how much of that concept was actually messing around with my whole approach to the situation until someone pointed out to me or i read it somewhere or you know either way someone pointed out to me that um that you know that that's you even have uh, there's no sense in which god is like that uh you know in the in, in the way that i'm defining freedom he is not free to sin you know, he's yeah. not free to, and, and I was really categorizing freedom as in freedom to sin or not sin. So that was the first 
first problem there. You know, am I willing to say that I would then attain to a greater status than God himself and that would be somehow greater than God enjoys? Well, obviously not. So if, and again- At that point, just to, just to, to interject, that yeah. point that you just made about God not being free to sin, every time I've mentioned that to somebody, that has been news to them. I don't think no, totally, I, yeah. I I don't think Christians conceive of it that way. For them, all things are possible with God. Of course, he could sin. Yeah, you know, God cannot and, lie. And, he cannot deny himself. Yeah, <laughs> he cannot deny himself. But but people, you know, so I, that's true. But one of my but, elders preached a sermon: things God cannot do, and yeah. and he got you know huge huge backlash. For it. Well, awesome, and, good good elder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think um, I think that it's that kind of so so that's an important point. I just want to highlight. Yes, yes, yes. I think well, a lot well, of people actually. I I totally agree with you there, and I think that's right. And but but the point that that I think still stands uh, even after that as a helpful thing is that you know what what you're then against is not some really philosophical concept and discussion but now you just got a seriously defective view of god that can easily be connected to biblical texts you know yeah. so it's like mm -hmm. okay well you know now we can just leave the philosophers to do their thing while you look at this bible verse you know and <laughs> and basically you go and fight with your own bible at that point which is medicinal in discussions like these because now you've got a text that you have to read and read again and listen to sermons and and you know sure you can go join a defective church if you want but you know if you want to stay somewhat you know where they actually take the bible seriously this is something that you're going to have to work through so there's that okay um you know even god you know he, he there is a conception of freedom that you have to go well surely i want that you know and 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 that doesn't involve the thing that i think i must protect um and then you know on the other side of that that coin i suppose you could say as you look at heaven i mean you know just that existential reality i mean the thing that gripes us the most right the thing that is most difficult about living is that we're where we have this potential to sin right so i mean that that is like i mean for me personally that would be immediately heaven if i just had what i have now just with no potential <laughs> to sin you know yeah. that, that would be that would be just a real step up right there so I mean, most christians can resonate with that you know yeah. and and again that's just perhaps a little bit less something that you can point to explicitly in the theology proper, but but still, it's a powerful point to have to, now all of a sudden your whole goal has changed, and you're like, wait a minute, I don't even want this yeah. thing anyway, yeah. and and then you're sort of conceptualizing it uh, appropriately. And when you put it like that, that does make you realize just how satanic our normal view of freedom is. Well, I've heard that Satanism's law of Thelema, you know, yeah. is is like it's crescendo, you know, it's, it's like the whole thing is built around the law of free will, you know, yeah. you, yeah. you, you, thou art free to do what thou want to do, you know, um, if I said that right, I don't know. Well, what's, what's it's really... a form of hedonism. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not yeah. actually, a, it's not a spiritual worldview. Yeah. yeah. But it's fascinating because at first glance, it looks just like something out of like 10 commandments or whatever. So yes, like it's, it, it's, uh, it's funny during lockdown, I did a bunch of YouTube videos basically for my church, right? Um, and you can go and check it out today. It's so funny. Like all the videos I did, they, you know, get somewhere between like 30 and a hundred views. Okay. Right. I did two videos, one on, you know, where did Satan come from? And two, uh, and two, you know, do Christians agree with the, the basic tenets of the, of the satanic temple? 
Okay, which is what we're, we're talking about now. Yes. And those those two videos are still racking up the views. Like they're in the thousands. <laughs> I'm still, every week I get a comment from some angry Satanist about, about, about it. But it was so funny because we're looking at the, the tenets of the Satanic Temple and it was saying exactly that. You mm. know, like you, you first glance, it all looks good. Like, oh, you know, they seem to be upholding, you know, pretty nice values. But if you look at it more carefully, you start to see that actually what they're actually all asserting is basically that you just live selfishly. That's mm. that's you are your own god. Yeah. yeah. Which is which is like not as explicit as you might imagine, you know, a Satanist document to be like go and kill someone and murder someone yeah. and you know, yeah. but but actually it's the Drink most subversive. Yeah, exactly. It's materialistic Satanism. They take away the spiritual stuff and keep the or, or or get right to the essence <clears throat> of it, which is you know yeah. what the serpent said to Eve. You know, hey, just do whatever yeah, you, exactly. you want ultimately, and 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 really be your own god is is really at the core of it all, right? And and yeah. that is the subverting point to all other ethics and all other everything. So, so you could, I mean, it makes sense. So as a, so, what we're saying to Christians who are wrestling with the sovereignty of God issue is don't be an our don't be an Arminian Satanist. You know, <laughs> Molinism and Satanism, and what they have in common. Is that, be a That's Calvinist. such a clickbait. You've got to call this, yeah, yeah. yeah. Molinism, Arminianism, and Satanism. Yeah, that'll get some. That'll, that'll get, get some views. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. And then, and then the other thing is uh, what we just touched on before in that, you know, you've got as your, as an individual, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, am, am I dealing with a system that teaches free will versus a system that doesn't teach free will? And that's gotta get, that's gotta be broken down too, because, you know, that I remember going through that and, and thinking, well, obviously I have free will and people have a similar, you know, they're coming at this thing. They don't have the philosophical background to the discussion so you know it's just a plain old matter of am i free you know obviously i am and and no one's denying that point right so it's really important for people to know that that's not the matter under discussion we're talking about libertarian free will versus you know other kinds of free will and and you no one's saying that you're not free to pick up that pencil and you know do what do what you're doing and whatnot we're just saying that you are also bound by your own sinful nature um, and you know, this is your freedom is the only problem that there is, you know, if, if you didn't have the kind of freedom that you have, there would be no need to even talk about this because this is actually no freedom. It's the bondage of your nature. It's, it's actually you, you know, being free to, to sin continually because that's what you want to do the most, you know, uh, that, that's, that's the, that's the kind of freedom we're talking about. And I, I think it helps people to hear it like that because, because then it, it takes it out of this whole, well, I, when I sinned, I really wanted to sin. You know, like no one's not saying that. You totally did want to do that. That's the whole point. And that's not freedom is the is the bottom line, ultimately. Um, that That's actually a kind of bondage. And then again, people can resonate with that. And 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 then just to, just to add one more little thing, just to complete the, the set, you have um, the, the, what we mentioned earlier with the freedom pies. Um, you know, you've got to think, you've got to think about I think Paul does this. I think this is what Paul's doing fundamentally in Romans 9, where he goes, you know, uh, who are you to talk back to man? Oh God? I mean, they're basically saying he's anticipating in his diatribe this very idea that, that you know, here he is stating things that that would make it sound like they had no choice but to, you know, yeah. rebel and sin. You know, and, then he, and then he meets that objection by saying, who are you, oh man, to talk back to God, right? Ontological difference. Uh, then he illustrates that you've got a clay pot, you know, and then you've got the maker of the clay pot. They are just 
in different categories entirely. Uh, it would be stupid for the clay part to say, hey, why have you made me like this? It's just not even exactly. a thing. Um, and so the fundamental point that is concerning to Paul, I think, for, for any kind of objection along those lines is that it just misconceives the the relationship between the cre creature and the creator. And yeah. um, and I think that there, right there, is the answer. I mean, if you just if you just pull, if you let God be God and, and a creature be a creature, you've you know that that's all Paul needs to say about it, because that's all that really does need to be said about it. And um, and I think the whole the closest analogy I've been able to find uh, outside the clay pot, you know, the most helpful uh, analogy would be an author and the characters that he writes into a story. It's still not perfect because obviously we've got more liveness in in humanity than in, <laughs> than, than in a character, but it, it's a, such a similar concept. I think as close as we're going to get in that, if you think about a character, if you, you think about an engrossing novel that you've just read you know just take a uh you know i don't know what like some um pride and prejudice or, or you know just some like really like, with deep characters that do their own thing and you know the bad guy is not doing it because he was compelled i mean he's the character in the story he is his own person and yet he is written you know he is written in by an author now that doesn't even come close to to yeah. to, to capturing the the difference uh, of distinction we're making a between creator and creature but i think if if that's the kind of like uh, if, if it forms a kind of model for thinking about this thing it really does help so hopefully someone listening to that uh this and and just processing these things you know hopefully those will be some <laughs> some rocks for them to catch yeah, and put sure. in their net yeah so maybe just returning to defining how middle and what middle is in middle knowledge so you've yes. got god's indeterminate knowledge you know pre-decree God's determined knowledge of yep. all things by virtue of the fact that he has decreed. So middle knowledge comes in and it wants to have a little bit of both. It's trying to, it's trying to have the determinism of God creating a scenario where there's an undetermined willing involved. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to, they're trying to pull two things yep. together, but, but all things on this side must, all, all things on a pre-decree must necessarily be indeterminate by virtue of the God that hasn't decided. Everything on this side of the decree must necessarily be determined by virtue of the God that by virtue of the fact that God has decided that they want to have something else yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's trying to have their cake and eat it. Yeah. That they're trying to, trying to, trying to is it, is resist it a little those bit like... conditions in the middle there. But I'm, I, I'm just trying to, trying to, you know, put it in non-philosophical language for my own understanding sake. Right. Yeah. So is it a little bit like the view or the illustration that people use when they say, you know, God has determined to build the house and he's determined the layout of the house, but he hasn't determined the furnishings of the house and the color of the paint on the walls. That is up to human liberty. That would is be that a, the kind of idea? That would be Arminianism. Like no, that's more, I would say that's probably more Sicinian, but that, oh, that's Sicinian. another, that's another podcast. Yeah. 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 Okay. Got well, it. Okay. Um, so, so that's not, that's so not. Let me see if no, I can. No, no. So it, right. it really, it really revolves around the nature of creaturely freedom as opposed to furniture. The furnishings is an inanimate object and, and is still in keeping with stuff like walls, but um, it's, it, it really has to do because, you know, generally we talk about God's providence, talk about his providence over nature, which everyone's happy to affirm. But as soon as you get into God's providence over human action whether it's evil or satan or the fall or even a christian sinning that that's where people want to step back by virtue of the fact that now we're discussing volitional creatures are in the mix and uh that's where that's where people are struggling to follow through and apply a full and complete picture of god's sovereignty and so they want to back off at that point 
um, in relation to creaturely okay. actions. So, so okay, go for it. He's determined. I'm again, forgive me. This you're, is, you're trying this to find me. an illustration. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's so he's determined that Mam will paint the wall, but he's not determined what color the man will decide to paint the wall. Well, if, if I was a, a middle knowledge guy, I would say that uh, painting a pink wall would serve the glory of God best. I would choose the universe where a free will exists where yes. a man paints a yeah. pink wall. Yes, exactly. Uh, Freely. Um, so, he chose it of his own accord. You know, it's yeah. com completely free. It's just that, you know, of all the possibilities, you know, we went through the universe where he painted the wall red. He went through the universe where he painted the wall purple, all the colors. Yeah, you know, those still result in the glory of God, which is the ultimate goal of modernist once. He still right. well, still wants right. a lot of right things. He's still you know, evangelical in many ways. Something about painting the pink wall that connected to the rest of the picture that ultimately achieved God's end. But, yeah, you know, but in a universe where he freely chose it apart from, so it was a pre-volitional reality that God but didn't. What, what part of that would they say, the, the Molinist, what part of that would they say was decreed and wasn't decreed? So I get, I get that they're saying Well, they would want freely, to say that as, chose as pain, long as you but... protect the reality of the uh, counterfactual of creaturely freedom, then then right. you can, then God can uh, still do a whole bunch of designing, decreeing, maintaining, sustaining, and choosing and and willing of a universe where that reality exists to inform mm -hmm. what God will decree. Yeah, this so, is why it's so irritating to talk to a modernist because when you talk to them, they're like, "Oh, I, I believe that too." Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. well, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree, guys. Yeah, I mean, if uh, well, that's what I'm trying to. A consistent modernist is a brother is often a brother in Christ. You know, it's that they they have yeah. they want to see God glorified. They want to have a sovereign God. They want to see a God who is involved. You know, in every hair falling. But it's that it's that issue of of they just they freedom. just need an explanation. <laughs> they just they but they won't even it, it was yeah. Aquinas like this because I have a vague recollection of reading because um, Aquinas you know sometimes when you read him he sounds like quite Calvinist but but other times sounds much more like this. And I, I guess that would if... be I guess I'm not an Aquinas expert, but the problem of anachronism would come in there because Molina was yeah, uh, Christ, yeah, yeah. counter uh, Reformation yeah. But the idea of middle knowledge. No, I'm uh, sure Aquinas used some, well, some uh, version of that. No comment. Okay. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm, I'm yeah, building so this all in my hazy recollection of Aquinas. That's, that's right. I mean, it's, <laughs> I also had to familiarize myself with the concepts. But uh, here's the uh, here's the third bullet point, and I think it's something you've already said, so it's not adding anything new. But he says this: God's decree. So we've we've established that uh, counterfactuals of creaturely, creaturely freedom exist. We've established that these pre-volitional truths, um, that, that, that they are prior to the decree. So that's why we slot them in before God decrees and everything becomes certain. We slot them in in the middle before. So chronologically, we create a third step that's prior to the actual decreeing part. And then the third uh, bullet point he has is, is God's decree makes use of this middle knowledge. God, God draws upon this middle knowledge in order to figure out which possible world to actualize. So and then, so then, then he decrees. Um, so, so uh, counterfactuals of Christianly freedom are used by God to steer world history to conform to His purposes. So He allows this to inform. So it's not out of the good pleasure of His own will, where He determines all things from Himself freely. There's something that's informing His willing that's from outside of Himself. Yeah, and you know, it just reminds me as well. Just uh, I, th I think. Um, 
Well, this applies even with Armenianism, but you know, a lot of the time you you meet people that are struggling with this issue, and they're not even quite Christian yet, you know, and uh, and they haven't really even decided. This is more that they they wrestle as an apologetic kind of reality with the Bible. The Bible teaches this. What I always tell them is like, well, listen, you know, you've got a whole range of things that people have landed on in terms of what the Bible teaches, you know. So so put that aside for the moment and just get to the fundamental question of you know the historical claims of the bible major truth claims and then come back to this because at the end of the day you can be an arminian brother in christ and you know orthodox and so forth although i would prefer that you stick to that more historic arminianism and you know <laughs> <laughs> rather than venture into the dangerous uh, arminian waters today but then you know you've got molinism and and you know if i meet an arminian and they they're willing to grab hold of molinism i'm happy to help them do that you know and and if if that's where they land i think that is a step up from from arminianism in my opinion um well one day arminianism certainly certainly it's yeah. just because of all the things you've been saying there uh, you know it has one day arminianism is probably just semi pelagianism yeah <laughs> yeah modern day uh, arminianism is really quite dangerous i mean you've got we haven't that's another podcast again with, with open wolf theism and all of that stuff but but um, yeah, Molinism seems to have just a, a greater care around these issues, and uh, you know, at least is a is grappling with it in light of these. You know, they're trying to steer a middle course in some way, so that's good. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, you know, and also what I was going to say is that from the position of Molinism, I think it is a lot easier to appreciate what a Calvinist is saying. Um, you know, it, just down to because I think it gets tiring for Molinists as well. I think I think you know it can only be you think you got it for a little bit there, yeah. and that's really satisfying. But then you realize, wait a minute, hang on, this is just too tiring. It's like doggy paddling forever and ever. I can't just rest in the fact that God is God, you know. So yeah. So I think eventually the Calvinist perspective does become appealing in that we're saying, look, guys, we don't know. Yeah. Because what modernism does is it satisfies that natural intuition that all sinful creatures have that my will matters in a way that is much larger than the Bible tells me it matters. Yes. Because I think, I think all, all false systems have this intuition that totally. I loom much larger in the system than the Bible indicates. Yes, exactly. And um, yeah. so modernism satisfies that, in, there is that the... sinful intuition. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. what it doesn't satisfy is just the details of the text. And, yeah. And, and even so you... in satisfying that, that intuition, it's also introducing you to this concept that's like a gazillion times bigger than you know yeah. the thing you actually began the journey on you know and yeah, which and, gives it an intellectual respectability and therefore makes it more plausible and something you show off to your friends and make you look smart and feel <laughs> yeah. better about yourself when you actually talk to someone who may not know about modernism that's true but that has a back that you know i think with that with an arminian he's got to wrestle with his bible all the time that's the that's the inner strain of an yeah. arminian you know i remember this as an arminian you've got it there you are it's so annoying that the bible keeps saying those stupid things and it's like i remember andrea saying to me listen you know i remember coming up with this great big i read john wesley's thing about how to, to foreknow something is not to forecause it and look at the way of the ray of the sunshine it, it, to, 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 to yes <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't um it does, you know, to to make something hot doesn't blah blah blah. And this massive thing, and then um, and then uh, Andrew was like, yeah, but it's just saying that though in the text. Look there. <laughs> and, and I yeah, remember thinking, that's, so, that's so annoying. Hang on, wait, hang on. Where does it? You know, and then it's like it says it again and again and again. It's like, and then you get angry with your Bible, and it's just like at some point it dawns you, and you wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a I'm minute. I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you see, I think I think my my default. So a lot of people's default is like 
semi-Pelagianism or Pelagianism yeah. or some or something like yeah. that. You know, so when they become Christians, they, they the Bible is going to push them away from that into you know an acknowledgement of god's sovereignty and the godness of god and the creaturely fallenness of man and and they've got that's the learning curve Mm. i think if i'm honest for me fatalism was my default Mm. you know so when when i started to conceive of a god the things like absolute sovereignty um were not up for grabs you know Mm. so that was that was my whole conception of god and the idea of fate and destiny those things are intuitive to me so mm-hmm. if anything, the Bible needed to help me respect the, right, the freeness it, of free there's, agency. There's a real thing going on there when the Bible's yeah. calling us to repentance and accountability yeah. and all that. And anything that yeah. diminishes that is a problem, you know? So, yeah. and there are, we, we have to say, many, 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 many kind of Calvinists out there that, that would do that, that would, that would actually yeah. problematically diminish those passages. So maybe just a few quick refutations of modernism then, just to sort of round it out. Of modernism or Molinism? Molinism. Okay, Molinism. Got it. Yeah. Um, so just, just a, a few points, and this is just picking it out of pure, uh, Turretin, sort of five key things that he raises. Yeah, do it. Um, so firstly, modern knowledge is clear denial of what the Bible affirms. So the Bible affirms things like Revelation 4.11, for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Not by our will, but by his will. Or Ephesians 1.11, in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So think about counsel. When you're looking for counsel, what does counsel do? Something that informs you. It's the counsel of his will by which we are are, uh, predestined and so so the clear affirmations of scripture in any explanation of the mechanism of how god predestined or decided how things were going to be it's the counsel of his own will or the good pleasure of his own will or the independence of his will which is asserted over and over again you you can't find any positive statement on the fact that middle knowledge informed god's willing this is a logical construction that we have to insert into silences yeah as 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 possible explanations but, but there's no positive affirmation of these things yeah no that's a huge point and again that falls to me that falls in the category of like you're just trying to figure it out you're going beyond your station you know just 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 realize that you're dealing you can't even think of simple things like infinity you know you can't even figure that one out so what the heck are you doing as a clay pot trying to figure out how to make a clay pot it's just stupid it's a stupid concept and this is where the necessity of special revelation comes in i guess it's the challenge to sola scriptura if we if we think we can logically infer what God's decree must look like. Why do we need a Bible? But but the Bible the Bible actually helps us to know the things we can't know because and and we don't have all the information we'd like and we may have still some looming questions. But but this is this is where the Bible this is where we need a scripture uh, a Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you know you there is room for speculative theology sometimes in a very you know in a in a very measured and uh, guarded way. So for example you. You know, Jonathan Edwards, Trinitarianism, you know, things like that, where you're, where you're, I, I could, I could see a Molinist really profitably wrestling with some of these things within that kind of constraint. So just go, listen, none of this is said in the Bible. This is just me trying to venture into something that actually we, you know, you're, we're taking Kelvin's word on board. It is a labyrinth. We might never come back again, you know, so we have to be careful, attach yourself to some rope or something. Let's just go a little bit. Just so we can blow our minds and then realize again we 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 have no idea, you know. Yeah, and I, probably yeah, yeah. Just to agree with that, in testing any case, sometimes you have to fly the kite. 
Yes, you have to exactly. let it up. You have to see if it'll hold, if it'll take the wind. You have to float the boat. You have to see if there's a hole in it and it'll, it'll sustain itself. Totally. So, so you do have to follow things through to some extent. Yeah. yeah, and just to appreciate the mysterious element of of those things, because you know sometimes we just pull the mystery card because we know that's our it's our cue mystery card, and and we don't. And the problem with that is that if we pull it too quickly, we don't appreciate what we're saying. You know, yeah. we don't appreciate the mystery, and and so you know we just we're just actually being lazy yeah. and, and not worshiping properly so yeah well in some ways it's, it's kind of analogous to uh systematic theology as a discipline you know totally. where you're, you're trying to uh, not just you know state biblical things or paul said this here but you're trying to synthesize them hold them together showing every truth so, in relation to every other truth show that to, it's exactly and try, system of yes truth. yeah Exactly, because because as human beings, we do require some coherence yeah. in order to apply something, in mm, order to make mm. sense of it, in order to be confident in it. And mm. so there is a place for that, absolutely, as long as yeah. as long as what we're trying to understand are the things clearly stated in Scripture, mm. rather than the things that aren't yeah. stated. So a, a teachable, you know, Im imaginative speculation, as long as you're willing to come back to the Scriptures and submit it. But the second point, um, it is contrary to the stated teaching of scripture, which denies that God informs his will by our choices. So we have uh, Romans 9.11, Romans 9.16 in particular. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. So we, we have an explicit denials of the fact that God, God sees what human will will do and then makes his choices. Hmm. Romans 9 basically states, you know, closes, I don't. anticipating that door shuts that door. Yes, says, exactly. Not that way. Yes, exactly. Because as you say that, everyone feels it flare up in them. But then who who can resist his will? God hardens whom he wills. Yeah. What? 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 <laughs> you know, and that's, ex and that's exactly when you have to be quiet, oh my soul, because... <laughs> God is God and you're not. And this yeah. is you trying to figure it out. Is God unjust? No, that's your answer. No, that's your answer. And, and, <laughs> and you know, can God explain it? Like if he, well, he could, but you'd blow up if he did, you know, yeah. and, and, and the bottom line is it would involve simple concepts like infinity, you know, so, so God's got it and he's just, but it's just, there's no way. And even if you could understand it, if he chooses to withhold it from you, why not? Yeah. You know, why not? He's God. You're not. Yep. Then uh, a third point would be that, these Arminian types of construction of foreknowledge make God in our image. So we, instead of recognizing that when we say foreknow, that, we, that we're using that as analogical predication. Yes, yes. We're tending to reconstruct God as a time-bound, interacting yeah. with a spatial location type yeah. of scenario that we can imagine quite easily because it's just like what we would do. Yes. No um, matter how many caveats you put in place, no matter how many, you know, how, how guarded your philosophical language is, we just are people at the end of the day that will that will bound, uh, bind bind that uh, conception of god to something that's less than god yeah and then uh, fourth point it's a, it's a logical absurdity how can one decree with an unchanging will by foreseeing a contingent act that could change there's there's just an absolute absurdity Wait, say that again one more time how can one decree with an unchanging will so god decrees with an unchanging will by foreseeing a contingent act that could change so when it because because all of all of what God does is absolutely certain by virtue of who He is and His power to bring it to pass, but we want to we want to have something contingent <laughs> that can't possibly change mm, in the mm. same universe as God decreeing. Yes, and yes. and and so it's a logical absurdity. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you the, a, a a pre 
a pre-volitional scenario where before God decrees, like the, there's a little p- piece of the universe that's independent that stands outside of God's uh, willing, mm-hmm. and, and it's called uh, counterfactuals of creaturely freedom that are unwilled but have to exist in order to influence the will, which will influence yeah. God's decree. Have you ever so, looked at the philo- philosophical? arc that they often talk about i can't remember who does a big thing on that but um you know so you've got everything creaturely might have been important no, i don't want to falsely attribute this term if it's if it's not what he would say but but um you know you've got everything within the bounds of creation underneath this like the arc diagram so to speak you know just imagine a little square underneath an arc and then you've got a circle above the arc and uh you know that arc that philosophical arc is everything above it is by definition god right it's like you 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 can't have any you can't have two of them it's got to be simple it's got to be you know you can't have something extra to that reality otherwise you've just created another god or challenged god with another god or you know i really defied the idea uh, the the idea of simplicity to begin with which is less yeah. than god so so what we we tend to do that all the time like everything just wants to creep above that arc all yeah. the time one little and, island uh, of uh, human freedom above yes, that arc i know and it's just you know it's it's one of those classic illustrations so co- co-creators us and god yeah yeah, yeah. it just totally. denies that you know the because i mean god is proactive not reactive you know my, that... my, my first critique of molinism is you know it just sounds like god is playing with the cards that he gets dealt well, uh, rather than determining what the cards are yeah i mean it almost sounds like a greco-roman mythology at that level you know it, it all started when you know, there were a bunch of cards on the table you know <laughs> and, and then you know there was a big reshuffling that took place you know yeah, there was this chaos and then god came along and then he <laughs> yeah exactly uh, and then the, probably just the fifth one is a foreknowledge of truly free acts denies the bible uh, that god is sovereign over free acts you know the, the king the heart of the king is in the lord's hands he turns it wherever he wills um so t- so in, in biblical descriptions of human freedom, they are not they're not not under God's sovereignty. They're under God's sovereignty, um, and so that's where the compatibilism and the concursus and all that stuff comes into it. Yeah. yeah. So those would be, I think, because even yeah, even even in even in secular philosophy and even in you know, uh, that's not interested in it from a kind of religious perspective, but are still arguing about free will from different thing constraints because they're talking about for example mm-hmm. the influence of culture and upbringing mm-hmm. and genes mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing and i mean that is i think if you interpret all that from a christian lens that is just part of the fallenness of the fall and the effects of yeah. sin and all of that that are tainting us um but it i mean even even aside from the question of god free will if you're just looking purely within the world is quite a difficult thing like that absolute mm-hmm. freedom mm-hmm. of the humanity to, to choose freely like not even non-Christians would would take that concept easily because they acknowledge that there are all kinds of things that mm-hmm. lead you to make the decisions that you make. I mean, mm-hmm. don't, don't we see it? I mean, with with people assigning their own gender and creating their own identities, and even even deciding that they're not humans but transhumans and mm-hmm. they're dragons or cats or tigers mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You know, there's this absolute absurd assertion of the independence of the world that that, yeah. that it creates all of reality around it i mean that mm. that's that's the same principle on steroids you know? yeah yeah i think so Certainly. exactly yeah. yeah and even just um you know i think of even just within a naturalist sort of like closed conception of you know or a type of uh, understanding of god from a stoic's perspective for example it's still i mean you see those guys reason it through 
and it still leads to an understanding of the sovereignty of the the closed view you know so you just can't really even escape it at that level if you if you if you uh, uh no matter what you approach it from so yeah i mean these are these are things that i think become deeply satisfying about not not, not only becoming a christian but landing in reformed theology yeah so finishing off then with uh reading that paragraph from the confession again listen to it again now in light of all of that because this is what the confession was engaging with although god knoweth whatsoever may or can come to pass so pre-decree he knows everything mm-hmm. all possible universes upon all supposed conditions <laughs> yet hath he not decreed anything so denial because he foresaw it as future or as that which would come to pass upon such conditions. So deny middle knowledge, shut that door. It was a yeah. free willing on God's part, not an informed one. Yeah. You know what just happened there? You got smacked by the 1689. <laughs> Ciao. Okay. <laughs>